0: This evening, I thought, you know, of of speaking to you on on the topic of the resurrection life. And uh, the theme that I want to speak to you about is the resurrection of Christ produces in us a newness of life. The resurrection of Christ produces in us a newness of life. And I thought, you know, it's an apt season. Uh, We've just celebrated Easter. We just celebrated resurrection Sunday two weeks back. And I think it's it's something we must linger a bit more on and consider a bit more on because it's not just one Sunday. It's a daily act. It's who we are in Christ. And as we, as we dwell on this, uh, let's turn to our Bibles. And of course, we'll be having the verse up on the chat as well. But if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to uh, turn with me. There's going to be a fair bit of turning to different portions of the Bible. So, let me know if you're going to take some time. I'll wait and we'll get there and then you know we'll do it together. So, we're looking at Romans chapter 6. I'm looking at the first 11 verses. Romans 6, verses 1 to 11. Paul writes here, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, and thank you for this evening. We thank you, Lord, as you have discussed that you've kept us away from harm, Lord, even though there's so much going on all around the world, Lord, and all the hearts are disquieted. There's so much of anxiety and uncertainty all around us, Lord. But even as we look into your word this evening, Lord, even as I bring your word this evening, Lord, let it not be my words that I speak, but your everlasting, truthful, faithful words, Lord, which never pass. Speak through me, Lord. Hide me under the shadow of your cross. Speak to each and every heart that is here and speak to all that are on their way to join, Lord. Meet us at the point of our need and encourage us, Lord, to look at the cross, to look at you and see our victory there. Thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And before we, uh, you know, kind of look at a few key just four or five key aspects that Paul has, you know, kind of outlined for us here. Uh, I just want to, you know, tell you uh, like, you know, like a small short story and it's, it's probably not the right story to tell, keeping in mind the situation that we are in, but bear with me, just hear it out and keep it at the back of your mind. And as we go through, hopefully we'll understand why this makes sense. And uh, imagine you know someone, imagine let's say it's Neeraj, okay, you know Neeraj and one one day you hear that Neeraj is no more, he's died. He's dead, he's no more. And you go, you want to go to his house and you want to visit him, you want to condone with his family. And imagine you knock on the door, you ring the bell, you know that Neeraj is no more, he's dead. And lo and behold, you see that it is no one but Neeraj who's opened the door. And I do not know what your thoughts would be like, but I would be completely flabbergasted because I just heard that he's dead. How can he be still alive, active, moving, coming to the door, opening the door for me? That is something that doesn't make sense at all. And just leave that there, but I'll just ask you to keep that, hold on to that illustration, even as we, you know, kind of go ahead. Let's get back to the verse here in question, or the passage that we're looking at. Paul here is, is you know, is beautifully kind of drawing a parallel um, between the idea of the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, And he's likening it to a believer's life. He's likening it to the baptism of a believer. And the word word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo. It's a transliteration from the word baptizo, which roughly means to immerse or to cover over. So when he's saying, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, what he's really saying is, A baptism is in Christ and we are immersed in him. He overwhelms us, he is all over us, he surrounds us, he exceeds us, he's over us, he's everywhere. And we are immersed in Christ. Now, even as we think of of the act of baptism that every believer undergoes, it's a sacrament that we undergo when we profess our belief, we profess our faith, Saying that, you know, we know that he's the Lord and Savior of my life and he saved me from my sins. We undergo the process of baptism where we usually take a dip in a water in a tub. And the baptism process wherein the person is, is dipped in water and comes out. Think of that and try to see how we can compare that to Christ's death and resurrection. So just as Christ died to sins and he's resurrected once for all so that he's seated at the right hand of God, so too we who were once enslaved to sin, we were slaves to sin, we have died to sin and we do not abide in sin anymore. We abide in God. That is the the picture that he's trying to draw. What Paul says in verse 3 is we who were baptized into Christ Jesus are baptized into his death. And as Jesus, the death that he died, he died to sin. Once for all. He died for our sins and he died once for all. So also, we who are baptized into him, baptized into Christ Jesus, have died to sin. Please note, died. It's a past tense. It's not a present tense. It's not a present continuous tense. We died to sin. And we are no longer enslaved to sin. We are no longer subject to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. But we are children of God. And we know that Jesus suffered for our sins to defeat death which came as a result of sin we know that he died and he, you know, he was buried. And before we go on, I just want to kind of, you know, you know, uh, look at uh, one particular thought that uh, in, my, in my last talk uh, on submission to God, we looked at, but I just thought even in this context, it's kind of important for us to look on that. The purpose of Jesus coming to earth. Jesus came on earth while he was, you know, And while he was here in flesh, he did many signs, he did many wonders, he did many miracles, he healed many people, he raised people from the dead. He did things which are unimaginable to the human mind, which was only and only possible for the son of man himself, for the son of God. But the main work that he came to accomplish was to pay for our sins so that we, you and I, could lead a sinless life and be restored to the original image and likeness that we have been created in. Think of Genesis, created in the image and likeness of God, to restore us. The image was broken because of sin, sin of mankind. And it's like a disease which spread. And God said, my spirit shall not abide with man. And the solution was one. In the right time, as Paul wrote, the right time, Jesus died for us, for mankind. And for each one of us individually, there can be many points. For me personally, there were there was a point of struggle in my life. I do not come from a Christian background. and I come from a Hindu family. Back in 2014, when I was struggling with so many things, you will read about a few of the things that we're going to take on uh, later. And there, there is literally no sin that is a stranger to me or that was a stranger to me. I was once immersed in all of that. But praise be to God, now I'm immersed in Christ Jesus. Not because of what I have done, but because of what he's done on the cross. And he met me at the point of my need to a frequency which I could understand. And he meets each one of us at the point of our needs, in our pain, in our suffering, in our needs, in our brokenness, in our depressions, in our sadness. And that is great. But if we do not accept him as a Lord and Savior of our lives, a Savior who saved us from our sins, then we are missing out on the point. We are missing out on the real purpose for His death on the cross. And I, I mentioned this last time and I'm going to mention it again. It's important. I do not say this from a place of condemnation, but I say this from a place of conviction because I'm convinced of it in my spirit. Sickness, Poverty, trials and tribulations will not take us to hell. Whether we want to believe it or not, only sin will take us to hell. Sickness, poverty, trials and tribulations will not take us to hell. Whether we want to believe it or not, only sin can take us to hell. And that is the power of sin which Christ came to defeat on that cross. To live a perfect life, to die on the cross. For you and I. So we must understand that it is not a small thing. Sin is not a small thing. Because if we minimize sin, then we minimize what Christ has done for us on that cross. But we know God's grace and salvation has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. We, all of us come from different backgrounds different places and different countries and different cultures but the universal truth is this that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son he loved the world and he gave his son but whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal in life so this is your chance it's a chance for each and every one of us if we have not met Christ if we have not known him or if we've known him and we've slipped away It's never too late. It's never too late. It was never too late for the prodigal son. It's never too late for us to run back to him. He welcomes us with open arms. He loves the world, but he is a perfect gentleman. He doesn't enforce himself upon us. Therefore, we have to make a choice. And therefore, John 3, 16, part B says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Let us be people who believe in him and believe that he died for our sins. But as much as we know that he died and was buried, we also know that on the third day he rose again. The angel said, the gospel says, he is risen, he is not here. The stone had been rolled back. Death could not hold him. We just celebrated Easter a couple of weeks back and we celebrate the... Resurrection of our living God. We pray and we rejoice in the fact that He is risen, He is alive, He is with us. John 15 says, He abides in us as we abide in Him. And that is something to celebrate. The question Paul is trying to put for us here, Romans 6, is He died, we died with Him. He died once for all. Did we die once for all to our sins? And if he's been raised, we know he's been raised. There's evidence that he's been raised and we know that he's been raised. The question to you and I is, have we been raised with him? That is a question each one of us, including me, we must ask. Because if we are dead, we are dead. We are no more that same person. Verse 5 says, if we have been united with him in his death, then we shall also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 4 says, we were buried therefore with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So he was raised by the Father. Jesus says, no one can take away my life. I put it down and I will raise it back up. The Spirit of God raised him up. It is the work of God. It is the work of the triune God. It is not human effort that begets this resurrection. Let us be clear on this. This complete submission to God, knowing that he is the Lord and Savior of our life. His Spirit, the same Spirit which, which raised Christ Jesus from the dead, also raises us to walk in the resurrection of life. So we know that Jesus died for our sins and he died once for all. Have we also died to our sins? Or do we daily struggle with that? And if we do, that's okay. Paul of all the people, the super apostle also struggled with it. Read through verses uh, chapter 7 and 8. He says, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. Who can save me a wretched man like me. But in chapter 8, he breaks out and says, Abba, Father. It's a vast difference. And that is all because of what Christ has done for us. But even as we hold on to that thought, let us understand that the question before us is not if Christ has been raised. We know he's been raised. The question is if we have been raised. And if we have not, there are certain areas of our life we have not given. There are certain sins and struggles we have not given over to him to take full control of. We have not relented. We have not repented. We have not gone down on our knees and prayed and said, God, take these away from me. Then we still can. We don't need to struggle for those. We can just pray and we can submit them to God. And he's faithful. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. We pray for so many things. We pray for so many material things. We pray for, pray for protection and that is great. We must. But we must pray that we are also dead in our sins once for all. Through the work of the Spirit, through the work of God, not our effort, not human flesh. The same way, the same God, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead also dwells in us. And we shall also be raised. That is our assurance. Even though we could be without life, he could give us life. At this point in time, I also want us to look at one Old uh, Old Testament passage. It's a very famous passage. It's it's from Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37 verses 1 to 10. <clears throat> and I'm sure we've read it several times, multiple times, and we've heard sermons on it. It's a very powerful piece of scripture and I'll just read it. Ezekiel 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold, there were many, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there was sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet and an exceedingly great army. This piece of scripture talks about various things talks about a valley of dry bones. Imagine if you're Ezekiel. God takes you to a valley of dry bones and Ezekiel notes they were very dry in verse 2. And God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel knew from experience that God could do anything but practically it was impossible. So he, he said the best possible thing. God, you know in line with what God says, tells Abraham and Sarah back in Genesis. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? There's nothing impossible for him. And we see the power of his word and the power of his spirit, the word breath, ruach, spirit. That God breathed into man and man came alive. The word of God through which he brought forth creation. Has power. We see that when you know, when when God created man, that after He forms man, He breathes into Him, breathes life into Him. He does that with these bones. And it says that these bones turn out to be a life and an exceedingly great army. What a turnaround! What power! God wanted. Ezekiel and the entire nation of Israel to know that his word brings life. That his spirit is the power. In the most hopeless of situations, even in a valley full of death, God's word is powerful. Powerful enough to bring resurrection life. I think for you and I as Christians, as a church, we can take heart that even in our darkest struggles, with sin, just as God spoke to creation to exist and just as Jesus called out Lazarus who was four days dead from the tomb with only a word, just as Ezekiel preached the word of God to the dry bones, God's word gives life. The supreme word of God, the gospel message itself tells us not what we must do to earn life, but what God has done in Christ to give us life. is the God, the giver of life. He can't earn it. There's nothing we have done to earn it, but he's given it to us through his power. And we see that time and time again. We see that in the Old Testament. We see Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. We see Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. We see the miracle of miracles, the ultimate miracle, Jesus being raised from the dead on the third day, defeating the power of sin and death. So let us not feel let down if if you're struggling with something today. Let us look to the Word of God. Let us call upon the Holy Spirit to lead us and teach us and bring us to spiritual life. Open our spiritual eyes. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit, the helper comes, he will teach you all things that I have taught you, that I have told you. The power of the Spirit and the Word cannot be emphasized enough. And when we come back to Romans 6, we, we kind of understand, or I hope we understand what, what Paul is trying to say. He's saying that you die with Christ once for all, dead to sin. The power which God gives us ensures that we know no longer enslaved to sins. But we are raised with him. We are dead to sin and we are alive in God. Alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are dead to sin that's past and in a present continuous tense, we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that is so because God's word says so. Now let's come back to the illustration where I gave you where Nidhats died and he went to his house and, you know, you, you obviously didn't expect him to open the door for you, but he opens the door. And uh, I mean, that's absolutely insane for someone to imagine that someone who's dead in the flesh, who's dead, can walk and move in most circumstances, in normal circumstances, that wouldn't happen. Similarly, if Neeraj says that I'm dead to my sins, but if I still live in them, then that's as ludicrous and it's as ridiculous and it's as amazing as a dead man walking because once dead forever dead and once raised through the power of christ to the resurrection forever raised but let us understand the power of christ the same power of God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is faithful and is powerful to raise us from our sins, to raise us from our dead situations. If and only if we turn to him, we cling to him. The only solution we can offer is run to the cross. Look to Christ. Because he, he has overcome it. And he has made the way. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He's made the way for us. We only need to go to him. we see later that even as we are raised with Christ through his power, there would be certain evidence of a resurrection. And even as Ninad was preaching in the weeks gone by, said we are the evidence of the resurrection. We are the believers in Christ. The believers who have been baptized into Christ are the evidence of resurrection, you and I. What is the evidence of resurrection? And I was amazed when in the beginning we were looking at Colossians chapter three, because that is the piece you know I'm gonna look at again to see some evidence that Paul draws from that when a believer is raised, what is some of the evidence? of him being raised, of, of him or her being raised. So Colossians 3, verse 1, I'll read the first 10 verses. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. So if then you have been raised, we can only be raised if we are dead to our sins. If we have been baptized into his, dead, uh, into his death, we are also resurrected into a resurrection like his, like Paul says in Romans. And he mentions here, if then you have been raised with Christ, see the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, again, it's done. You have died with Christ. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore. We, we, we see this Aspect of put off and put on. Paul mentions in various of his epistles, in Ephesians, in Colossians, in so many other places he he mentions. And it's, it's, it's very interesting, the analogy that he uses. I love it. It says, put off and put on. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, a lot of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no, not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised barbarians, Scythian slave-free, but Christ is all in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The first part of putting on are some of the idols of the heart, are some of the sins that you and I still struggle with, possibly. And putting on, which Paul mentions, is a gift from God. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit to each and every believer as we are being sanctified into his image with every passing day. It's not something that we can manufacture something that he gives to us freely, the free gift of righteousness. He clothes us in his righteousness. So the evidence that Paul speaks of in any believer's life who is raised with him, some of them have been mentioned here, but if there are still some struggles that you and I struggle with, still some sins, unconfessed areas, you haven't confessed to the Lord, he knows, let's take it to him. The victory is his. The victory is won. We only need to plug into it. And the evidence that you and I live is this. That as Paul says in Second Corinthians 5.17 the old has passed and the new has come. The new man is being born. We, we are being made new into his image every passing day. And that is an assurance we must thank Jesus for, we must thank him for. And I like what in in, in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 13, if we go back to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 13 verses 11 to 14. If I, if I read that, it says, the Paul says, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us work properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. I think amidst, amongst all the put on and put off that that Paul mentions, this is my favorite. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The gift of righteousness that he gives us, put that on. Let's go to him. We are baptized into him. And if we have been baptized into him, the resurrected life and all its evidence is our portion. Because the death that came through sin as a result of sin has been defeated by Him. But it's important for us to realize, to submit, to go back to him, the giver of life, who would change us inside out. And therefore when we look at an example of you know like an example that i gave or an illustration that i gave that you hear of Nigga's he passing away and go to his house and you, someone else opens the door and he actually says it is you know like he has died he is no more let it be so when we say that we have died to sin let it indeed be so let it Let us claim that to the power of Jesus. Let us claim that in the power that the Holy Spirit has given us. Let us indeed put off the old self and put on the new. The question to each and every one of us is, He has risen. He has given us the power. He has made the way. Have we tapped into that? Can we today run to Him and tell Him, Lord, here I am. I still struggle with these things. I still struggle with these sins. These are the areas of my life which a hide from you although you know it and there's nothing too hard for you you could raise the dry bones you could give them life from a word you called out Lazarus who was four days dead from, 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 from the tomb can you not resurrect me and make me to be a new person so that I too can go about telling everyone that it is not I as Paul says it is not I but it is Christ who lives in me it is not I, but it is Christ who lives in me. Only when you and I are alive, brothers and sisters, then only can we go and testify to the world that we serve a living God. Because he is the God of the living. He is the God of the living. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, even when Abraham had died, Isaac had died, he said, I am the God, which means they were still in his presence. We will also be in his presence. That is our assurance. So even as we experience that resurrection life in our individual lives today, let us understand that it is the Lord who can open our eyes. It is the Lord, the Holy Spirit, who can give us power to be to be raised again. It is him whom we can turn to and there is no one else. It is him who lived the perfect life for you and I, who was crucified on the cross, who was flogged, who was beaten, who was mocked. A crown of thorns was put on his head. The most gruesome and painful death any man could have ever died, he died for you and me, for our sins. I'm not here to condemn us. I'm here to encourage us. I'm here to encourage us because I come from a place where all those things that Paul has written about in Colossians 3 that we just read, trust me when I say this, there is not a sin that I have not been privy to. I, I was guilty of all of that. But today I can say, I can boldly proclaim that it is not I, but it is Christ who knows me. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is, but because of what he's done in my life. We looked at falling in love with the process that Anath mentioned, and it's so important to relook at that, to relook at the disciplines in our lives, to relook at the priority we could give God, the priority we give to his word, the priority we give to spending time in his presence, to knowing him. Not so that we can intellectually debate with people about the Bible, but because we can be changed from inside out, because we can be transformed into the likeness of Christ with every passing day. I can personally testify the word has power, but the word by itself doesn't have power unless the spirit of God teaches us, convicts us, because Jesus himself said that when the helper comes, he will teach you. Remind you of all the things that I have told you, and Jesus Himself said that the world, the heaven and earth will pass away, but not a word that I have said will, will not come to pass, or will fail. So we know Him who has promised us is faithful. We know Him that He is the victor. We know that He has conquered sin. We know that He's conquered death. Let us consider the dead portions the dead corners or the dead attics and the, you know, alleys of the corners of our life, the corners of our heart and ask him to come into our life today. Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate our heart and change us, mold us with every passing day into his image. So that we, when we celebrate Easter, we don't just celebrate the resurrection of the Lord and Savior of our Jesus Christ, but we celebrate our resurrection with him. As we have been baptized into his death, we also will be resurrected with him in a resurrection like His. We're so glad you've been listening in. If you'd like to know more about us, follow us on Insta at Pune or visit us online at zealous.community.